Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey guys, welcome to Performance Anxiety. This episode of Side Projects is my introduction to the band Swans. Founder Michael Girard was recently a guest, and I did my first real deep dive into the band for that show. But with the amount of material in their catalog, there was no way to absorb everything in enough time for that interview. It was a bit intimidating. That's why I asked Steve Tulipana from Season to Risk to join me. He's been a fan since the 80s. Now, neither of us claims to be a Michael Girard or Swans expert. This is all about jumping off points. Steve gives me some suggestions of albums to start with, starting points for exploring the world of Swans. Follow Steve and Season to Risk for reissue updates at robotswin.com. We are at Performance ANX on social media, so please grab a drink, maybe a snack, and enjoy and or argue with this episode. I, I, I don't know how much of an authority on the swans I am. <laughs> I'm a huge fan, and I've I've followed them since I was a child and, you know, I've, I've, I've done some stuff with, with Michael, like promoting shows over the years, but you know, well, the new record, I, I, I'm loving the new record, but I've only had a chance to listen to it a couple of times. Thank you for coming on and, and, uh, discussing swans with me because I'm brand new to them. So I recently had Michael Girard on and I was prepping for the show and it was a bit of a daunting task because there's so much. I mean, they have 15 studio albums over, what, 30-something years of existence. And and some of the songs were longer than the interview I had with him. Yeah. So I'm really not sure where to begin. Um, when I found out I was going to have him on the show, I started chronologically like i try to do with a lot of the guests all right let me listen to the first thing and i'll go last right. most of my guests don't have you know 35 years of history uh in their career and 15 albums but i discovered that the first album filth is worlds away from their latest album leaving meaning and so i wanted to have somebody who's a fan of the band on it to uh, kind of maybe, maybe guide me through yeah. through some of the music. So, Steve, thank you so much for coming on. And uh, how long have you been listening to Swans? So that, that's kind of where I was going to say chronological is kind of the best way to 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 attack it. Okay, if it, if it were an attack, I suppose, or <laughs> to embrace it. Uh, but I was in. I want to say I was in eighth grade, and. Uh, we picked up my, my one of my best friends, and still to this date, and I still play music with him. We were uh, budding punk rockers, or whatever you wanted to, to call it. We were just we were we grew up in a little rural town north of Kansas City, and and uh, but we were just into we were just digging and digging for cool, interesting music, and oh yeah, 
we'd heard of the swans. We, but you know, reading about it in like spin magazine or something like that. I don't yeah. know. But at, at the mall, there was a mall and, uh, this, <laughs> there must've been the coolest kid at this Camelot records that just bought every import. And then like <laughs> they, they wouldn't, no one would buy them and they'd end up in the cutout bin, you know, like oh, six months later or something. So we would get crazy cool records that, you know, had the corner cut off. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. Like, we get them super cheap and we were just exposed to this wide variety of crazy music. This is before we were old enough to drive and go down into, into Kansas city that had a couple of pretty really cool record stores that, um, you know, as we delved into the, the world that pretty much shaped our lives. Right. right. But, uh, but I, I can't remember if he got filth first or I got holy money. I feel like maybe right around the same time, but I, I just, we remember getting home, going back to his house and putting it on the turntable. And we both were just kind of terrified. We're like, yes, what is this? Is this is terrifying. I'm gonna, I'll, I'll, let me interrupt you for one second because the very I, – I remember when uh, – and we'll jump ahead just for a quick second here. Uh, White Light from the Mouth of Infinity came out in 91. I remember a lot of hype around that album. Uh, that was my f- freshman year in college, and I, I it was really starting to, to dive into music. And I so I, I was familiar with him from that point on, but I never really listened. And the first time I actually – sat down and concentrated on swans was for the interview with leaving meaning. And that's the exact same feeling I got as a 46 year old man. Was, wow. wow. Yeah. <laughs> I was frightened. We're 15 year old rural kids. <laughs> you know, we were, we were familiar with like black flag and dead Kennedys and stuff, but this was like, you know, and I, I from what I'd read, I read, I didn't expect it to be like that, but it was, it just, there was nothing like it. Never heard anything like it in my life. I'd right. heard, uh, uh, got into Nine Stars and around the same time, probably because of the same, same situation at that mall. Okay. But even, even Neubauten, who, you know, was just kind of, particularly in the, in the, in the eighties, this very dark industrial, um, and truthfully industrial sound, swans were just, just more brutal and cathartic. And there was, right. there's something, I grew up Catholic and there's something in that music. And then like the Holy money, uh, I got, I think I got that EP right after that. And it had this beautiful piano piece on the backside of Jarbo. Right. And, uh, so this is mid eighties. This is like 85, 84, 85 or something like that. And, uh, and maybe 86 is the latest. I can't, I can't remember, but, uh, it, it has, there's something, gothic and and i don't mean gothic in the in the you know in a cheesy vampire kind of way yeah i mean they're just something really primal and 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 there's something i'll tell you what i religious about it without you know i'm not there's there's almost like like a menacing quality to the music yeah it has that 
that weird, uh, you know, uh, that's why I say the, the growing up in, in a, a Catholic and a kind of old school Catholic yeah, church that, the that, same way. that, that, uh, you know, the monk chanting intensity and, but then a few years later that the record they did with uh, Bill Laswell came out, which was like this, and they had, they had, uh, uh, a video on MTV they were covering Joy Division's Level Terrace Apart When rooting by its heart and ambitions are low when resentments rise high but emotion and they had this more folk vibe and it was but it was really i thought i thought it was beautiful and the, i think goddamn the song on that record is one of the best songs ever written in all of musical history i adore that song so much okay Down in the street With a bottle in your hand And a wild smile on your face And a knife in your back You died in a foreign land And... And that's that's one I wanted to talk to you because I haven't had a chance to to hear everything. I mean, I've heard the Love Will Tear Us Apart, and I, aren't there two versions of that? One with Jarbo and one with Michael singing. Uh huh. Yep. Okay, so there's so many albums here where that fans consider masterpieces. That I, in doing the research, there are at least five albums that fans consider like perfect masterpiece albums, like The Great Annihilator. Uh, White Light from the Mouth of Infinity, Children of God, and Children of God is epic. Yeah, and and uh, perfect. The Seer, uh, the Glowing Man, you know. But when I spoke with with Michael, he's like, "That's all detritus." And yeah, that, that's like a quote from him. You know, it's all yeah. detritus. He, he hated. I mean, from what I understand, he really hated the um, that major label, the Uni Record that he, they did with Bill, because uh, Burning World. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Burning World because of well a lot of different reasons from what I what I've read, but but and he kind of repressed it for a long time. Like, but finally, he finally did. It was available on his site for a while as a as a burn as a burn, uh, the burned the burned world. I think is what he was <laughs> selling it as, and because uh, it's kind of hard to find. Um, oh, really? But, okay. Uh, he, you know, I, following what he does and his his process, like. Reading about him and 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 like I said, I don't know him. We've met a handful of times, but um, I don't know him personally in the slightest. Uh, his process seems to be very much a forward, very artistic process. Like the music is not commodity; it's a means. You know, it's his living; it's a means yeah. to an end. He's very actively involved with every. You know, every you buy a record from him, he's autographed it. You know, you buy a record from direct from uh young god it's it's him doing it all and it's yeah very much his life's work his art his process and i think that's why i mean it's why he's so respected and and i i think and uh you know it's like 
you want to see where his process goes and what he wants to, what's he going to do next. And watching, I, I promoted a show on, I think it was the, uh, he will guide us up the rope. Was that the name of it? Oh yeah. My father will guide me up a rope to the sky. Yep. I'm looking I at the discography right now. And I'm, not, I'm not pulling that shit right out of my head. Cause <laughs> I think it was that tour. It wasn't the seer. I think it was that tour, but he came to Kansas city and I've been trying to get him. He'd, he'd only come through once before on an angels of light tour. Okay. And that, uh, one of my, um, co co band members brought, he was promoted that one on the first angels of light tour. And that was the last time he'd been through Kansas city. We've been trying to get him here forever. And we finally got him on that tour. And I was there for the sound check, which was quite long. Wow. And, uh, in their sound checks, they're 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 working on. He's directing and composing and working with each member, drilling them and trying to find something new every day. Like I mean, that's the impression I got. It felt like he was really trying to like eh, something new was going to happen and build in a different way than it had the night before to f- try to drive for this perfection or something. That's what it. That's the. the the feel I got watching them do their sound check and how they, how they uh, rehearsed and built it. And it's, it's, it's mind blowing. And, and really, um, I don't know. It's refreshing, <laughs> refreshing, but almost, I mean, incredibly intimidating to see that level of intensity and, and work ethic. And that's, and, uh, that's very similar to the feeling I had once I started listening to the music, knowing I was going to interview this guy and that my, I was, was going to be limited in my time because a lot of times what I'll do is I'll, I'll set my own interviews up, either contacting the artist directly or the, I work I know a couple of PR people who send me uh, you know, uh, some interviews from time to time. And, and Michael was uh, set up for me and I started listening and I got that feeling like you were saying the, uh, of like this music is actually frightening. And then I started thinking, what in the hell am I going to ask this guy? Because <laughs> he's been playing music since 83 as swans. And, uh, you know, aside from a couple of extended hiatuses, you know, I mean, they've, they've put out 15 albums in 30 something years with like two breaks of what, seven to 10 years a piece or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, the music is just intense. What what can I possibly ask this guy? Did you get a chance to listen to any of the Angels of Light material? I have not. Um, he kept he kept producing the whole time, you know, like he did those solo records, and then yeah. he started building some. They're beautiful. They're they're but they're they're more introspective and quite. I mean, I can't say more introspective because I think that's kind of the point of his of a lot of what he does. Is right. This, it's inspection. Yeah. And, and that was that was part of, of the reason I, I really wanted to have you, you on and, and talk about it was because there's this whole other area, the Angels of Light and and you know other projects that he's worked on, but I couldn't really focus on that because the whole point was to have him on to talk about their latest album, Leaving Meaning. Mm-hmm. Right, so like, right, if I right. start if I start venturing off into side things, which I would normally do when I have somebody on, because one of my favorite things to do is to pull out the most obscure thing I can find and ask about it. And I couldn't do that. So, although 
I was able to, uh, I threw out on social media and Reddit that I was going to have him on. I said, somebody, give me some questions to ask this guy because I'm new to the band and I don't really know. And somebody said, hey, ask him whatever happened to this guitarist, Sue Hannell. She was the guitarist on the first Swans album and she's been missing since like 85. Huh. Yeah, I, I don't. Oh, it was, he had no idea what happened to her, but uh, I, got, I got lucky because I did get the chance to, to ask my obscure question, and I didn't have to do a whole lot of research for it and go down weird rabbit holes. Although I was going down rabbit holes of Swan's music because it, I didn't want to stop listening once I started. Right. And I was, okay, so, let's, so filth is, you'd say, is a good starting point. And I was listening to... Uh, that 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 is where I started, and so I was listening to the the very first song. Literally, is what scared the crap out of me. Uh, stay, um, yeah, stay here. The one that this is where they start screaming, "Show your muscles." Yeah, I <laughs> that has some really weird, like modulation effect on his vocals, and it's, it. Oh my gosh, the whole vibe of that album is just creepy yeah you know i say i say that's a good start if you really want to know where it came from but uh i'll be honest i don't listen to that record very often (laughs) (laughs) i well i can understand Uh, it it's it's industrial i mean it's it's uh how do you how do you describe it it's there's not a whole lot of music per se on it it's atmosphere, but not yeah. in like a an ambient jazz George oh, yeah, Winston it, kind of thing. Yeah, it's 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 almost like it's it's incredibly dense too, though. I mean, yes, uh, you know, it's just the sounds those guys were getting and where they're you know where they're recording. Uh, I don't know if that one was done at BC's place, but Season Risk we did a record with at Martin BC Studio and. and Brooklyn oh, cool. years ago. That's where some of that Swan stuff was built. And you can actually, after I have worked in that basement, if, I, if I'm correct, yeah, I, I'm, I'm certain. I, I don't want to misspeak. Like sometimes the, the facts jumble, but, yeah. um, but being in that basement in this old armory that Martin has a studio and I can, can actually listen to those records and hear that basement. Yeah. <laughs> and it just, it brings that, that level of like uh, this, this, really haunting reverb that sounds ageless, you know, but it's like, it's really just a really weird, creepy basement in an old building. (laughs) You know, that that sounds fitting for what that album sounds like. I mean, there's so much, like you said, reverb and feedback and noise and just crashing and smashing. It's, it sounds cathartic. Like you had mentioned, most of his albums seem like they're catharsis, but this one seemed like, you know, it was the first one. Like I didn't, he didn't know if he was going to get another chance to, to do this. And so I'm going right. to just explode. Right. Right. You know, and there was so much going on in, in New York at that time. And people were really pushing each other to try to come up with new sounds and do, do different things. I mean, all that avant-garde Lower East Side stuff with Glenn Bronca. Yeah. The no wave scene. Yeah. All that was like really, you know, but, you know, and everyone was coming from was art school kids and jazz kids and composer kids and, you know, and yeah. just junkies and like, I was yeah. like, <laughs> everybody's just figuring that, you know, it, it's pretty fascinating 
historical scene, you know, in the, in yeah. the American landscape of, of alternative music, you know, like, yeah. you really, could, uh, I'd, I'd love to see, I mean, you know, there's been some documentaries on that, but they're, they're always, you know, they always gloss over some things, but. I would love to see some footage of any of that time period. I mean, that's. So there is a, uh, I don't know if it's available on DVD, but it, I have a VHS tape of it. It's uh, John Giorno, who was a New York poet. Lower, uh, he did, he invented, uh, invented the dial a poem. He had a phone number in New York. You call and you get home a day or whatever. Oh wow! And he, put, he put out a bunch of records, and he had he made music himself. But he put out a handful of compilation records that are really interesting. With a lot of avant-garde artists and, and underground and weirdos and yeah. uh, <laughs> poets and musicians and stuff. But he did. Uh, they, I think again, I'd have to go pull it out to make sure he was. It was on his label, but I think it was. He did a, a, a VHS called. It's clean. It just looks dirty, and oh, it's wow. got it's got live footage of swans from that era. Oh, it's wow. pretty pretty intense and it's got who's screw do and it's got William S. Burroughs and uh, oh, gosh. uh it's a it's a really neat artifact. Um but uh and it, you probably could find it on YouTube, some of that footage, but there there is definitely um film of, of swans in that era. I've there. seen that maybe what I saw on YouTube. I did see a couple uh clips, like one or two tracks. Kind of looks like the- he's wearing a diaper, like a like a weird <laughs> like it's not, so. you know, it's like he's wearing like a weird like Jesus loincloth or something, you know. I have to check it out. I got. I have to admit, I was I was sneaking the videos in while I was at my day job, so I was just I was kind of listening <laughs> and trying not to look. So, and, and maybe it was a good idea if he's walking around in a diaper that I didn't look. Well, it's not a diaper, but it's like it look. He's wearing. He's basically. He's you know. He just. He's barely clothed, and it's very like this kind of just the scary Jesus vibe, you know, that's like <laughs> doom Jesus. I don't know. <laughs> I've watched it a long time, but in, in my memory, that's the comical, uh, uh, impression, but, but he, I got to, I got to see him late later. I saw, uh, on the white light from infinity some, uh, we had the same booking agent for a while. Uh, oh, cool. rave, rave booking. We had the, the same company booked us both and, and uh, it felt like we kind of crossed paths a lot in those mid '90s years. Oh, the no. Great Annihilator. I saw that at the tour a few times. But uh, so, so the sound from Filth to White Light from the Mouth of Infinity changed a lot. I mean, it went more more musical by the time that he got to White Light from the Mouth of Infinity. Is, is there something in that area, in that era, that that's? Uh, uh, I mean, are you still thinking chronologically? Go from, you know, go to Children of God to the Burning World, White Light to Love of Life, 
and on and on? Or is is I think Children of God came after Burning World? No, or am I wrong um, on that? I think I'm not. Sh- I'm, I'm, let me. I'm pulling up the discography right now. It's showing uh, Children of God is '87, and the, the Burning World released in '89. But you said that he kind of oh, held on to that one. Eight. Okay. But he may have done that first. If you're saying that 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 was the one he was kind of holding on to, that may have. I feel like I didn't I didn't get exposed to Children of God till after I was exposed to Burning World, which I thought was in my senior year of high school, but I guess it would have been in college. But um, and then uh, Burning World, and then the, and and then the the World of Skin records. Those two records are brilliant. Oh yeah, that's that, one of the his uh, outside of Swans. Yeah. Project. Those it was him and Jarbo uh, like side project thing they did. That, okay, that kind of well, I, I it it's not that detached from some of the sounds on uh, on Children of God. Children of God has some of that intense monolithic yes. whole note, you know, slams that come from the early days, but it's just recorded a little more. Um, it's not as harsh to the ear, I guess. Okay. But it- So that was almost like a that would that would maybe be considered a turning point or a pivot point to get closer to the uh, tradi- I, I guess more tr- traditional musical quality of White Light. I, mean, I guess, but even White Light, you know, I think it also you know has to do. I think sometimes who he was working with, you know, he he went, um, you know, he went from Ted Ted Parsons was his drummer for on like that holy holy money area who was in who went on to be in prong or was cur- currently in prong okay and then which is you know kind of like like what yeah and then <laughs> and then, then vinnie signorelli took over and vinnie vinnie's mostly known for the unsane you know but he played with right. people and, but vinnie's drumming saw was quite a bit different from ted's you know um, and that's i hear that in the white light and and uh some of of that i guess he only did those two records though i don't know um, i i would have to have them all in front i should have pulled them all out so I look <laughs> yeah i'm kind of sure throwing my, them at you right now my facts are right you know like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i'm just kind of just, throwing them at you and and i'm not an expert on it by any means so it's this is and that's the this show is is a little different because i didn't know i honestly didn't even know how really how to prepare for it but i wanted to talk to somebody who is more familiar with the band about the, their progression of the band and, and you know, may, maybe albums to start with, you know, or, or like if you had to pick one album that you would want to expose somebody who was, you know, not a for fan. me, for me, uh, it, it's, it's really hard because like I said, I love uh, burning world for what it is. It's just like, but children of God is, like kind of to me the, the the record that covers a lot of ground and a lot of space and a lot of subject matter and and 
the play between him and Jarbo, I, I, I think that's a really that era of of swans was that that uh, male female balance. Yeah, uh, was always really interesting to me, especially at the at the age I was when I started listening to that music, and I I, I found it, um, I connected to it, you know. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. I found it interesting, and I I, I thought it was smarter than you know like it was just a lot smarter than a lot of some of the other you know music i was getting exposed to in the late 80s and early 90s yeah i can i can see that if you look at some of the stuff that was released around that time compared to swans a lot more uh thought went into the the swans albums for sure (laughs) yeah well like i said i think they're really like yeah, I mean, it's very. Some of it's incredibly personal. Yeah. I love uh, "In White Light" and uh, what was the, the companion one to that? Um, oh, um, let me pull it up here. Uh, "Love of Life." Yeah, uh, yeah. That all of their found sounds and, and this, the tapes, the, the recorded tapes of, uh, from what I understand, were yes. from Jarbo's family. That's um, right. That's right. I did uh, read about that. And and like I said, you know, I, I didn't get a chance to dive deep into it, and so I haven't really heard that. But that kind of stuff was fascinating. Yeah, when she left, I wasn't sure. I was like, and then he started doing the Angels records and and some different stuff, and I wasn't. And then when Swan started again, as an as is, I was. I'll be honest. At first, I was like, "Well, that, that that's not going to be possible," but right. it incredibly was. Like, I think he went to a different, a different level, a different, a, a different level of artistry that was maybe a little less personal on the on the like autobiographical sense. Even though, like, you know, Children of God isn't autobiographical. That's a piece on you know they they were influenced by reading about that cult and, and, and things. And, right. Okay. But, but, um, uh, I, you know, like I said, I, I don't know. I can only guess, guess what he was some <laughs> of the stuff, but, but I think, but I really, uh, when he came back after the angels of light and did, did, uh, uh, oh gosh, what was that first one? Um, uh, my father will guide me up a rope to the sky. That was the first one. That yeah, that was well. That was soundtracks for the blind was ninety six, and oh, then there yeah. was nothing yep. until two thousand and ten, which was my father will guide me up a rope. That soundtracks record, damn. So <laughs> okay, so that would be might be a good one to expose people to that. Yeah, yeah, 
Right. Um, now, he also does uh, crowdfunding for the new albums by releasing like demo versions of songs off yep. the upcoming albums. Do you uh-huh. get into yep. those? Uh, I actually, half the time, I, I'll go to the site and I, I guess I'm not on... It used to be on the mailing list, and some I don't know if I ended up in a spam box or what. But I, <laughs> half the time I go to the site, I'll be like, I wonder if there's a new Swans or if there's a, if, he, if he's got some new artist because he he finds like uh, some of like I love that Ulaanbaatar record. I love uh, oh, and, that uh, Larson record. He's, he's put out really great acts, but I don't know lately. I don't think he's been really um, releasing other people's music as much. But the Akron family. But uh, I'll go to the site and I'll look and see what new products he has, and they're always sold out. Yeah, <laughs> it's, usually, it's usually those those uh, those demo versions and stuff. So. Yeah, and it's interesting because he does. There are they are a very limited run, and so I guess he's kind of got it down to a science as to what he needs to sell in order to fund the new album. Yeah, yeah, what's well, pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's it's super, it's DIYs. It's pretty pretty amazing. Oh yeah, and so and have, have you had a chance to listen to the new album, Leaving Meaning? I've listened to it uh, twice. Okay. And, well, for uh, initial so I, impressions. I'm like, how did he do it again? To be honest, it was seriously like, like I thought it was, you know, after I got to see that last tour twice and after, uh, you know, he said, okay, this swans is dead. And then the new, you know, this new, uh, I'm like, how did that come out so quick? I don't know. I mean, I guess as a fan time is different than as an artist who's creating, but yeah, but, uh, as a fan and, and, a you know, you you got a couple of businesses that you're running too. That, that yeah, time does it's, seem to go by quickly. Um, but uh, yeah, I I I'm super impressed. I, I just I had a chance to really like uh like have the listen where I read the lyrics and do the do the deep dive. You know, yeah. Um, I was trying. I did a, a, a bid to try to get him to come to Kansas City on this new tour. But from what I understand, the way they're doing the tour, he has different artists in in all the towns that he's playing. Uh, different groups of people coming in and out of of the uh, of the performances, oh, wow. and kind of how he did the record was a little more. It wasn't that band that's been putting out these last few records. It's some of those people, but it's a lot other people input and, and building. And um, it's it's. I'm curious. I didn't get this say from the from the agent, but I'm I'm kind of curious if maybe he's has few shows because he's going into the town having rehearsals for a day and then doing the shows. And wow. it, it kind of looks like it from the tour set up, you know? Um, what he uh, told me in the interview is for, for the, uh, the upcoming tour that he's going to be doing and, and 
he didn't go into great detail. So, you know, he, he didn't mention uh, that kind of stuff, but he, he mentioned, to, what he did mention to me was that it was going to be like chamber music style where they're just going to be sitting down and he's going to be composing pieces specifically for the tour. And uh-huh. it's going to be a few songs from Leaving Meaning and then new material that he's composed. That makes sense. Yeah, that, cool. that goes along with his, you know, not being a retrospective type of guy. Yeah, yeah. And but what I what I thought was kind of funny was that he says that uh, he's going to be new songs that he hopes to have composed before the tour. Right. So <laughs> it could be it he's, could be interesting. He's composing right now. Yeah, he could be composing the day of the show. Who knows? Well, that's what I, that's why I was like, maybe he gets in town and works with some, like I said, they were, I mean, they were playing material from the, that record. Um, but they were in a sense, he was kind of composing in different ways and he was trying different nuances to things. And like they were, I mean, it wasn't just a like sound check. It was, it was a rehearsal, you know, and they had grown, they'd been on a grueling tour. They, they didn't stop forever. And this is, I mean, I can't remember what year this was. Actually, the poster is right there on my wall. Uh, <laughs> 2012. September oh. 19, 2012. Oh, so the seer had just come out. Oh, you're right. It was the seer. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And the only reason I know that is because I'm staring right at Wikipedia <laughs> for the discography and it has the release dates. <laughs> if I was to ask you out of the entire discography, I said, give me one album to get me into Swans. Which one would you, th- would you throw out at me? Get you into the Swans. Yeah. If I hadn't you know, heard anything. Ah. Uh, I know that's a tough one. I can't, I can't, I can't do it. I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> to me, it's to me the 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 three that I visit most often are uh, Children of God, Love of Life, and Burning World are the three that I visit I'll more regular it. than the other th- others. Um, and then, but then it just depends. Like then, sometime, yeah, I I would say I'd say Children of God. Okay. If there was just one, they they kind of gave you an idea of the possibilities and the, the the breadth of styles and and mood and movement and rhythms that you can find in a in a swan's uh, environment. That's that's the one. Awesome. Well, that's that's one of the ones that's been considered a masterpiece that uh, that I've been reading about. So that's that's what we'll go with. And this has been great. I really do appreciate your time. I know you've got places to go. Thank you so much. Where can people find you online and, and season to risk and see what you guys are up to? Uh, season to risk. Uh, our site is uh, robotswin.com. Um, we just re-released a record that came out in 2000 and one or 2000 and we did a little bit of tour. We don't, we're not really an active band, but we've been, we've been re-releasing um, 
some of our catalog that was never on vinyl. Um, oh, cool. So we just did that and did some shows this last summer. And I think we're getting ready to do, uh, the second one here in the, we'll probably launch the, the presale in the springtime. Awesome. awesome. We usually just, everybody lives all over the country. So we only play, you know, handful uh, of time. Okay. Well, hey, again, I appreciate your time. I know you, you're in a rush to get out the door. Thank you so much for everything. And uh, yeah. let's let's get back, let's hook up together and do uh, do more of this or, or more about your music. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to do that. And um, but I also encourage a- anyone to, to listen to any Swans record and and follow uh, Michael Jarrah's uh, career because he's I think he's a true uh, not a true but a, a uh, iconic and important American artist. I, I think I agree. He wouldn't agree with you. Well, <laughs> because I, I called him that something similar to that in the show, and he didn't like. He was like, no, 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 no. Yeah. Well. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.